Look, on on the scale of things that have been on my mind over the last probably two weeks, I reckon that's registering um, below what I'm having for dinner tonight. Um, Hey legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Shane, John and Sean. How are you Shane? I'm good thanks Jared. Good. Still um, still riding high a little bit after uh, the Socceroos run at the World Cup. You can probably see in the background the uh, green and gold scarfs made an appearance on the coat rack. Um, don't worry about the loss to Argentina. It was all good. We did uh, much better than expected and uh, there's a lot of optimism around Australian football. Yep, I have to agree with you, mate. Like, I didn't think much of it. I wanted to see the boys do well, but didn't want Graham Arnold to get extended contract out of it. So, um, fingers crossed that still doesn't happen, but yeah, it was good to see our boys do well. How are you, John? I'm very well, Jared. It's been a while, so I'm glad to be back. And um, I haven't really spoken to any of you since um, Sydney, so it, I just want to say it was a pleasure to meet you all in the flesh. It was a uh, yeah, long time coming, so I'm glad to be back after a little break. You're only human, John. Of course, it was a pleasure <laughs> to meet us all. <laughs> absolutely, and that's uh, Shane. I don't know if you saw Brisbane. Brisbane was absolutely bouncing with the soccery stuff. Look, uh, I've never really um, ventured down there, but it looked amazing. Yeah, they got all the live sites going um, around the country for the Argentina game, and it was just um, get, getting it all beamed in. It looked amazing. Yeah, really How are you, Sean? Yeah, good man. Sweating balls. It's been stuck in the 30s over here and not getting much sleep because there's some football tournament that's on. I wonder what that would be. So do we want to leave that World Cup chat till later or do we just want to keep going with what we've been doing anyway, boys, <laughs> and just get it over and done with and then crack one of the Celtic news later on? What's so the here? general feel here? I think Shane wants to talk World Cup, so... Oh, yeah, let's crack on. Let's just yeah. <laughs> crack on I, I little tournament. First of all, I just want to say thanks, um, Andrew. Glad you joined. You tuned back in again. Morning, Gerard. Thanks for uh, tuning in as well. Love having everyone join in. So just join the conversation in the comments, sensory questions. Um, let us know what you're having for dinner tonight, even though it's only morning over there. If you're in Australia, let us know what you're having for dinner tonight based on the podcast name because as a tribute to our, our great gaffer, Ange Postacoglu. But, Shane, you went to the Melbourne Live site give it for the Argentina game. Give us a rundown on how that all happened. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a um, – it was a little bit of a – on a whim for me. I wasn't planning to initially and I'd gone out the night before and got home pretty delayed and – had about an hour of sleep, and I thought, ah, look, you only live once. Let's let's go and let's go and see what it's like. So, uh, got the oh crazy hour trains, like four twenty train into the city or something like that. Uh, as the train rolled in, uh, there was a few people on the platform, including a mate of mine that I hadn't seen for a while. So we were chatting, sort of wondering about how busy it was going to be. As soon as the train rolled in, uh, it was packed with people coming in from the outer suburbs. Uh, all decked out in Socceroos gear. It was standing room only. And um, I sort of made it out to Fed Square 
just before it had ticked over as uh, maximum capacity. So Fed Square's in the, in the middle of uh, in Melbourne, just across from Flinders Street, who, who might not be aware, and they were showing it on the big screen. For those who've seen the live pictures recently uh, of the goal celebrations in Melbourne, that's been at Fed Square. Um, and so I sort of wandered out to there. It wasn't at capacity when I arrived, but uh, for a short bloke like me, uh, I really wasn't going to get prime, uh, I guess, viewing spot. So I decided to hightail it down uh, through the Yarra and uh, headed on to the second live site, which was at Amy Park, which was just as impressive. There were about 20,000 people who packed that stadium just to watch um, the four or five screens that were set up to... Uh, to broadcast the game to everybody, uh, literally three three of the four stands uh, were all packed to the brim. It was uh, it was uh, sort of a kind of a, a um, momentum that I'd not seen before uh, for the Socceroos. I hadn't really been part of this previously, and uh, to see everybody there, just the excitement, old and young, everyone was was really caught in the moment and and looking forward to to well celebrating the fact we'd made it so far but looking forward to how it went and the atmosphere was really good i don't think it was the same at fed square or the other sites it was a bit more tame compared to those but still the atmosphere was still very enjoyable and um yeah look it's a pity in the end we couldn't get over the line i thought we gave a great account of ourselves um but um, just bring up the Fed Square yeah. stuff. Um, one of the games <laughs> there a, for everyone. That, that looks like Fed Square. <laughs> wow. Just bringing that up. Just give it a bit of a run down here. Just a little bit of colour there with the flares going off. So, and that was for the Denmark game for those watching. But yeah, the um, yeah, it was a lot. Were crazier in terms of the uh, Argentina game, from what I've heard. Now you boys have met me. There's no way I'm surviving getting involved in that with my height <laughs> and my stature. Like I'm, I'm gone. I'm getting crowd surfed. I'm getting thrown. Something's happening, or I'm just getting caught underneath, or something like that. Like so, I, yeah. But it, it was wonderful to be part of, and I, I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, next time World Cup comes around, I'll definitely be partaking again. And John, what's any games that have jumped out to you that you've been oh, watching? God. Yeah, well, I mean, so um, we've got like a big auditorium at work, so it's like you know those sort of um, step seats with a big screen and stuff. So we've been putting on work's been putting on any sort of five o'clock, five a.m. matches and stuff when they were on and stuff. And I think one eight p.m. one. Um, so we've we've had loads. Work's been really involved and stuff. So I've you know watching them when they're there and um occasionally at home and stuff and it's been some brilliant matches some real some some huge upsets and stuff i think it's good to see um all right an african country getting as far through as they have i, I say that with a little bit i don't know if you consider them i know technically morocco is african but i don't know if they consider themselves african or not but um it's good to see like the um some the asian countries doing as well it's nice when like you know it's not so so uh, South America and European dominated and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's just been it, it's it's been an interesting World Cup. It's been some real some real big upsets and stuff. So, I don't know if that's heat induced or time of year and stuff. Or yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an odd one. Some of the some of the results, but I, it's I also kind of feel like I don't know if everybody feels this, but it's not quite as big of a buzz as other World Cups. 
I don't know if anyone's there's a little bit of a lull compared to other ones. I think maybe it's getting a little bit more now that we're getting closer, you know, to the finals and stuff, or in the finals now and stuff. But it's not I probably because people can drink. Yeah, yeah, but what we can drink here. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What you're saying there, John, though, about not getting in? Yeah, I just found it's odd this time of the year, like because the season started and then you've gone straight to a World Cup and then the season's going to pick back up. It just seems yeah. odd. It's like normally it's when the World Cup's got that clear space either side of it. Seems like a bigger deal because you haven't had football for like a month. That's exactly yeah. it. That, it, it kind of like half, I'm hanging out to see it. So That's it. Half of the buzz is because people are desperate to watch football. So it, 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 look, it's still a World Cup. People are still, you know, paying attention to it closely, but it's not quite got the same buzz as other ones. Um, but what's really good to see, um, at least from our perspective, is Australians talk, talk you know, that don't have an association with, with football, talking about it and watching it again. And um, especially because Australia got so far and did, did so well and stuff. So I, that's been that. I've enjoyed that. I have enjoyed that. And, and I guess this is slightly outside of football, but um around sort of the sport media, there's been talk about funding with football slash soccer and Australia and stuff and how, you know, the amount of people that participate in it compared to the amount of funding it gets is it's actually one of the poorest. It has the, it's the highest um, participated team sport, but has one of the lowest fundings and stuff. And that's just piss poor, right? That's, that's I mean, for Australia to get as far as they did and it's the poorest funded, one of the poorest funded sports in, in Australia, it's just not good enough. So that's another that's another context of how good Australia did in this World Cup. Yeah, I think I think it's been okay overall. But in Australia, have um, I mean, when I watched the the game, uh, the first two games, France and Tunisia, I was like, oh my god, they're as bad as I thought. But they managed to get a win here. Yeah. Uh, even the Denmark game, they were, pretty, but they actually did all right. And I thought the best game they played was against Argentina. To be totally honest. Um, Apart from obviously Matt Ryan's uh, moment, uh, I believe that's one that you wanted us to sign, Jared, is to get Matt Ryan into Celtic, and I, <laughs> I didn't really agree because I thought he would come in. If he did come in, he'd be a third choice uh, behind Hart and Seagrass. And having seen uh, that kind of moment there, I, I did think oh, we've kind of dodged the bullet there. I mean, he would be better than Scott Bain, but is it? Would you? Is it worth that? I don't know. Like, how old even is he now? 33, 34? Is it worth upgrading Scott Bain? I don't know. I don't think so. One keeper that I've seen that looks... Completely taking what I said months ago, Sean, out of context. <laughs> I think you said I that said... a few weeks ago. You said it before <laughs> the World Cup. No, no, no. Wait, let me go back to the initial thing. Initially, I said bring in Matt Ryan when the talk was of Ryan coming in and then we signed Joe Hart. So if we signed Ryan when Ange first come to the club, great. It would have had instead of Hart. I still rate Ryan long-term because of his age and everything and the way he plays as a better fit for Ange's overall system because he's got better footwork than Hart does. So I still think that would be a long-term upgrade. However, now with Hart and Seagrass there, we don't need him. But I said, like, say if Hart was to move on or say he was going to retire or whatever, then he'd be someone I'd, I'd want to look at. But at the same time, we struggle. we always struggle to save penalties. So I'm the Croatian goalkeeper. Come on. Look, see, in terms of the Australia players... A joke, everyone, um, by the way, just making sure. <laughs> in terms of the Australia players, Adam Moy was probably the standout, which says quite a lot. Um, 
but who who oh. I mean they made they made the it was the point was made that like uh, Australia was one of the three nations or something that has no players from the big five leagues like uh, England, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, and uh, who who from the Australia team after making the last sixteen of the World Cup would you even tip? Uh, to move there, Adam Moy certainly not because of his age. The only, the only one for me would be Harry Sutter. Other than that, like these are SPFL players, and they're you wouldn't even have them like pegged as above an SPFL standard based on that. Mm. Some of them might go to championship now based on like Bacchus could probably go to championship now. Godwin, uh, and that is about it. Jason Cummings is hardly going to get a move anywhere. Mitchell Duke might go from J Japanese second division to Japanese Premier, but that's about you know what else. Like these are not world beaters. You forget one one Australian player who plays for um played for Frankfurt against Rangers. So he's in Germany. Mm. Aiden Hustig. He's the only one in the top five for us. He's moved actually. He's in. I can't remember the name of the, the club, but he's moved to Spain. So he's still in one of the top five leagues. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's in La Liga. Uh, but he. He moved, but yeah, him and I thought Mabil was in La Liga as well, so there might be one or two. Yeah, he is too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, should fight check. From He's in Italy. There you go. Or sticks at Hellas Verona. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Italy. My apologies. I'll, I'll get some help um, for that. There's a, a boy that Hart signed, I think, really recently. Um, defender Kai Kai Rolls. Kai Rolls. Yep. Yeah, and, and yeah, my colleagues who uh, watch Australian. Uh, football and and obviously other leagues as well rate him very very highly. So I think he's like mid to late twenties. So I don't think he's going on to do like. It's not even that old, John. He's he's no, young. He's, he's young. Just come out of the, yeah. oh, out of the Oli Roos team. Yeah, he was Oli Roos captain at the last Olympics. Yep. So he he uh, he. I don't know if he does well at Hearts. He twenty four. Twenty four. Kai Rose. I mean, um, just to to get back to Sean's comment, I don't disagree that that probably of the of the players that. That represented Australia, probably Harry Suter is the one that you would say would go into like a Premier League club or, or you know, a club in an equivalent league, if you will, of that standard. Um, I still think the likes of, and, and you touched on this really well, is also, which was the likes of Goodwood and Bacchus, I think you could see them progress to a higher level than where they are. So Goodwin's currently in the A-League, Bacchus is at um, St Mirren. They, you know, I could see them going to the Championship I don't disagree with any of that. And I think that's probably what makes the journey that we went on more remarkable, to be honest, is the fact that even prior to that, you know, most people tip this as a pretty average squad. After that, there's only maybe one player in particular would say really jumps into a top league. Everyone else you're sort of like, oh, maybe a little bit level above. And yet, despite all that, and despite a really poor end to qualifying, we've still managed to get through to the round of 16. Um I think it probably heightens the what we achieved as opposed to um to anything else really. Yeah. And in, in terms of uh talking about when we're talking about Matt Ryan, there was one goalkeeper that I picked out um that's you've probably seen him as well, Jared. I don't know what you think. Uh that I would have earmarked as a potential successor to Joe Hart and even uh, in terms of someone we might actually be able to afford, uh, Milinkovic Savic in Serbia, that that guy is a ball player and he can save. He was good, man. Yeah, he he impressed me. I would have, I would, you don't normally like anything. Usually when you're watching a World Cup and you go, oh yeah, this player looks good. And then you go and Google and then it's like, oh yeah, he's like, uh, 
Guardiola, like the centre back for Croatia. Like, oh yeah, he looks good. Who's he play for? Like Le- RB Leipzig. Oh no, and then you go. Oh yeah, Leipzig turned down a fifty million euro bid from Chelsea in the summer. You're like yeah, okay. So <laughs> that's obviously not the market we're in, but you still get a few. Like we, I'm sure. You, I think on the run seat, Cho- Chogu Sung is one of the ones, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a surprising one to me that after scoring a double at the World Cup that we are still unrealistic. Because, I mean, but that said, what are the other names that are coming up uh, for Chogo Sung is what the other teams? I did see it, but I've forgotten. Was it Fenerbahce? Fenerbahce, Ren, uh, Dortmund have been linked, but he's, he'd be that far down the list. And his old man's come out. We'll just talk about him now and then that run, tick that one off the list as well. But, yeah, his... Um, is one that his old man's come out and said, look, he's trying to encourage his son to go to a team that plays his style, not necessarily the biggest name club, so that he can settle in Europe for his first move away from home. For in, So if that's the case, even though, you know, if Liam was here, he'd absolutely slate me for saying this. Korea, Japan, they don't like each other, but you've got... Ange, who's from the Asian Confederation and has coached in Australia and Japan and has coached against Cho in the Asian Champions League. We've got a bunch of Japanese guys there. It's not going to be as much as culture shock for him coming into our environment that it would be, say, if he was to walk into a Dortmund or a Fenerbahce and go to Turkey and be, you know, a Korean guy doesn't understand Turkish culture or language or anything at all. It makes sense. And as Andrew said in the comments here, Let's get him. I like Korean players and they don't mind the physical stuff exactly. So they're basically a great comp. halfway point. The way I said is Australian players are more physical than the Japanese players and the Korean guys are right in the middle. They're technical, but they don't mind putting the boot in. I.e. Ki Sung Jung and we had him, yeah. however you say it. Yep. Did well for us and had a good career. Just don't be a Chadaru or whatever it was. Yeah, Chadaru. I know it's That's limited it. data, but would you rather have what you've seen of Chogo Sung or would you rather have Jack Marcus stay on? And also taking into consideration the age difference, I believe Chogo Sung's 24 and Jack Marcus being 28. 20, yeah, he's pushing, 27, 28. 27, pushing 28, something like that. My situation here, Sean, is I'd sign him up now in the same way we signed O'Reilly and um, what's it called, the other guys. O'Reilly, Hatade, all them, because we knew that Biton and Rogic were leaving. So get him in for six months, have him there with Jackamakis. So he's got that six months to get settled, understand the club, the culture, get his fitness up, and get over any homesickness, whatever that he's got. And then if Jackamakis wants to move on in the summer, great. All the best. And, yeah. uh, Andrew, yeah. Andrew Galea said that in the comments, why not both? And uh, it's the same point for uh, in terms of Juranovic, as in if Team C, we've already signed a replacement, then that kind of impacts uh, what we can ask for as a transfer fee. Now, for the good of the club and us winning football games, we shouldn't care about that. But that's and <laughs> that's something that some people, some people who we may talk about do care about. And... Um, like we've probably knocked one or two million off of Juranovic's transfer fee. If you want an example of how that's really tangible, if you look at, if you remember back to the Fernando Torres transfer, uh, where Chelsea paid 50 million for him and, and it was because Liverpool said, yeah, we'll sell you Fernando Torres, but it's going to cost you whatever Andy Carroll costs us plus 15 million. 
So it was like it was like we don't care how much, you know what the figure is simply replacement plus fifteen million. So now that our replacements in, we can't really say that. You know, we can't say, well, we're going to have to pay for a replacement. You know, we've already got a replacement there. It's just going to be what is this player worth to them, and what is he because he's already in a squad that's got cover for him in terms of what we are negotiating position. Got to bring up a comment here from Vinny. <laughs> Joe in the Celtic shirt will raise his Instagram followers and marriage proposals. Good to see you boys in Sydney. It was great to meet you, Vinny. Oh, yeah, hey, Vinny. I, 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 my old man had sort of convinced me of this as well, but I do think we need three strikers now. I think for the, the way that Ange plays and stuff and he wants high intensities for like all minutes on the pitch. We're, we're, we're going to get... 65, 70 minutes out of a, a striker and then we're going to rotate. And if one gets injured, we but we play both our strikers as if they're, you know, first-team strikers. So we do kind of need another one, not just for cover, but because we, the front three has heavy, heavy rotation. So I don't necessarily think that any striker is a replacement for Jack Macca's full stop. I think it's as well, it's in addition to, it's to have that, you know, the three-striker rotation and stuff. But, yeah, I think know. it's probably also because of our, um, you know, the thing that you can add to that is our lack of being clinical, um, particularly in Europe, um, as as a reason to bring someone else in as opposed to as a replacement necessarily. But it it does beg the question. I was I was looking into to him a bit further today. So plays for uh, oh, if I get this wrong, apologies everyone. But he plays for I'm pretty sure it's John Book Hyundai. Uh, Motors, I think it's the club, and so they oh, no. they finished. Yes, that's right. They finished runner up uh, in the J League. Uh, sorry, in the K K League. Sorry, I'm gonna get it right, mate. Boy, <laughs> now, now, now the hate like mail is coming. <laughs> all of a sudden, just I've I've annoyed a lot Comment of people. Section, cancel yep. shame, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's gonna blow up in a sec. But they finished runner up in a very good in a very good league. Um, he netted 14 goals, I think, in 26 appearances, and then they had the little playing tournament or playoff tournament after that, in which I think he scored uh, three and five. So, you know, he's pretty decent. Um, and then obviously, you know, those two goals against Ghana, even uh, the one that he didn't score from, uh, there was this ball whipped into the box and he just had to just crane himself to try and get it on target. And he did incredibly well. He's unlucky not to score. Look, uh, he looks like quality on, on the limited amount of stuff I've seen. 6'2", 24, you know, decent height. Uh, you know, right age it, bracket. He'll add to the eye candy as well because you know, we, <laughs> apparently we got he's been voted the most attractive um, footballer at the World Cup. It's a fact. It's was at ten articles about it today. Twenty thousand followers on Instagram to two and a half million now. Get around, him, ladies. Opinion. He, 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 sits, he gets right in with our with our supporter group because you know very good looking bunch compared to the mob across town so there you go he'll fit right in he'll fit in he'll fit in perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so but just... I, I i definitely do think no, who it doesn't matter who it is right no matter what but we 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 need a, a third striker for the way that we want to play and stuff i think that's just a given yeah well i think the only season we've really had three strikers was when we had um Dembele, Griffiths and uh, Eduardo on loan, I think, oh, yeah. going yeah. from memory. No, I think you're and right. Think, yeah, because I think there was the season before we went with two and then Rodgers decided the next year he couldn't cope with two and he needed three. And, and I've, I've kind of... Sean, here we go. Mm-hmm. Stokes, Hooper, and was it Miku? 
Uh, but that and but that was uh, that was actually different because Lennon would play two up front. Two up so, top. I get you. I was saying it's yeah. best matters. But he was he he did do that. No, he he actually went with four strikers because he wanted to have two up top. So he actually had yeah. backups. Um, I, and I've kind of rationalised it as we've got Maeda is the next one, uh, the third choice, and that's why I've not really been too worried about uh, whether we do have a third or not in that sense. Um, yeah, that's my kind of been thinking about it anyway. Um, On that point, though, Sean, I'll just jump in there. We've been saying for ages that Maeda works as a striker and having seen him play as a striker for Japan, I think at the World Cup, a lot of people back home over in Scotland have been seeing what we see in the international games where he plays that role. Yes, it's a different type of thing, but when you get the comments like Rio Ferdinand coming out saying, oh, he wouldn't want to play against that sort of player with how much work he does and all that sort of thing off the ball. Well, yeah, he he is that third string striker. He's just been pigeonholed onto the left so that he can get a game. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. And, and I mean, to an extent, that's uh, bringing up the Edward thing. That's kind of how we, when we had him on loan, we kind of didn't, we didn't use him wholly as a left winger, but we, you know, justified having a third striker by saying, oh, well, we can play on the left as well. So it's all right, blah, blah, blah. And we've kind of done the reverse with Maeda, right? Oh, well, he's a left winger, but you can kind of play at the front if we need him. But so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that is our third striker. And maybe what we need is just another, another left winger to keep that rotation up. We don't need another left winger. We've got 4,000 wingers or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, since we signed uh, Haksibanovic, we've got, I think that's enough wingers. Yeah. <laughs> we've got five five wingers for two possessions at the moment, if, uh, if you don't include yeah. the kids. Yep. You don't yeah, put like Rocco Varda in there and those sort of guys, yeah. Hmm. But signing Cho, I think, would be great business. Getting bet him in for six months. And then have him hit the ground running for next season. I think I would still do the business, get the signing done, in my opinion. Because as we've discussed, let's talk Jackamacus wants more money, contract breakdown, it's going to potentially get sold. So I'd rather be ahead of the game, like I said earlier. But I want to jump back quickly sorry, to just, something. Sorry, Jared, it just made me think of something that I can just add on there. Um, in terms of, uh, I'd heard about, I was listening to a different podcast uh, I won't mention, and uh, not a safety <laughs> one, and they were talking about how none of the big teams are sending uh, scouts to the World Cup because they didn't, uh, seeing a player play three or four games for their country wouldn't add any significant data to their already extensive scouting reports because these big clubs already have massive scouting networks with dozens, if not hundreds of games of data on players. Uh, so they were making the point that whatever these players do at World Cups isn't really going to change their opinion. Um, now, I slightly disagreed to, in, a, in a sense, and it's something that I think would... Uh, in- makes me more positive about signing Chogu Song as well, if we are realistic about that. And and that's that the World Cup is a, a big game occasion. And when you come to be a Celtic player, you have to be a big game player. And that showed up in the Champions League. So if we've got a player that's proven he can score on a big occasion, i.e. World Cups, then that's heartening as someone that, if they also have the talent, can do it in the Champions League. On the back of that as well, Sean, he's also proven, even though scouting is only for three, four games at the World Cup, Andrade knows him because he coached against him in 2020 in the Asian Champions League and he scored yeah. against Andrade's team. Yeah. He scored consistently in the in the K League, in the Asian Champions League. He's doing it for his country at a World Cup. Shows he's a big game player, which is great. So I agree 100% on what you're saying. 
Yeah, I just I was yeah. just making the point. This uh, I know you guys, you and Andrew are both saying like, yeah, well, well, I've already watched them, but I'm just meaning like, I do think it does add something that is intangible to recognize that he can do it on the big occasion. Okay, so I've got a couple of comments to bring up here. So um, before we do that, though. Somebody's a mental. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry, I've got a few ready to go. But one other thing you said there, Sean, and it ties in, you know how teams are saying that they've already done their scouting before the World Cup? Mm -hmm. Alistair Johnson, the signing of him on a five-year deal, great bit of business for us. We've got three first-stringer right-backs now. So as we were talking about, if Juranovic moves on, yeah, it may cost us, but if they get past Brazil, that's going to add heaps on top of it. So, you know, I'm not too worried. Easy come, easy go sort of thing on that front. We've got our replacement in, which is good. Him playing for a team like Canada at a World Cup where they don't have much possession, I'm not going to take too much out of that for Mm -hmm. the simple fact that we have the ball a hell of a lot more than Canada does when we play. So what he's been doing the last couple of years in the MLS, we're basing it off that. It's um, I'm pretty happy with that. I think it's a good signing. And is he coming in to replace Juranovic? Or as Andrew Galera in the comments says, it's Ralston's shirt for me. So is he coming in to challenge Ralston for that top for the rest of the season? Can go either way. So, yeah, like... I can see both sides of the whole scouting side thing, as you said there, Sean. But, yeah, I think we'd be basing it. And that's why a lot of teams probably aren't looking too much into scouting at the actual World Cup because it's three, four, five games, whatever it is. But is this game style the same as what you play? Here's something that just popped into my head. And it, it, it was when it was mentioned in the comments there about Ralston. Uh, and when we were debating whenever a year and a half ago when Ralston got his contract extension and we were debating whether it was worth it or not, et cetera, et cetera. And the thing that, that I came out with at the time and I think you guys agreed with was that Ralston would be a good fifth fullback in the sense that all big teams have two left backs, two right backs and a fullback who can play either side. Now I don't know anything about this Alistair Johnson guy. I'm just going to assume he's, he's only a right back for now. And what I'll say is we do have one that can play left and right back is Juranovic. So I wonder if, given that Burnaby has hardly set the world on fire so far, I wonder if uh, Johnston has been signed with a view to uh, Juranovic being the backup left back. Makes and sense play, because um, yeah, Johnston is a right back who can play on the right side of a back three as well. So he gives us that versatility with that signing. He can play there. If we wanted to go with a back three, we've got... Um, Kobayashi, who can play on the left side of a back three. So we've got multiple options now for formations and that as well. So, yeah, there's plenty of options there. So, yeah, that makes good, good sense about Juranovic there as well. If we don't sell him, he can play some left back. I think I think it's inevitable that we'll leave some of we'll lose some of these cult heroes, right? So, mm. you know, we, we, we've spoken about a couple of them already, but so it, 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 we're just going to have to get used to the fact that these players that are very, very, very good, very, very good for us will eventually move on and stuff. But when it comes to the Juranovic stuff, he's only just, he's only not signed an extension to a five-year deal. So I, I like, there's, there's no absolute guarantees that he's going anywhere now. Yeah. Okay. Big teams might come in for him and yeah. Okay. They might be too good to refuse um, when it comes to like the, the transfer fees offered and stuff, but we're not, we're not, we're not absolutely guaranteed to sell the guy just because we've sold Johnson and stuff. So, I think that's a very good point. I think it's just, I think versatility might be the angle here. 
and and you know the back three or Juranovic um, on the on the left and playing Johnson on the right or Rouse on the right. Just rotation, high rotation. That's all we want. We'll bring up some comments on the back of that because we've got from Vanessa Bernabe was very poor against Sydney, and Andrew's like Juranovic is going absolutely. So you've got people like. Andrew's Eventually, saying, yeah, yeah of course. course. Yeah, yeah, cool. And it's not going to happen. you got Vanessa saying Bernabe's been poor, so maybe what Sean's saying could work. That's the fun of this. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. Juranovic is 27 as well. He's the same age as uh, your players that were being linked with, like, uh, leaving, like Giacomacus. And, well, and, and, and I was about to say, Ange, you know, obviously made the statement a couple of weeks ago, I think preparing people to say, listen, some of your favourites will move on and they might move on a bit quicker than you would uh, normally expect. Um, and those who know Anne, they're familiar with Ange, you know, team turnover is something he he does do. Like, um, you know, he, he won't keep people around if he if he senses that um, they're no longer in his plans. It'll, it'll be very quickly, um, you know, we'll get you out the door and we'll bring someone else in. Um, yeah. Which appears actually, to be what's happened as well. If that, if if we if we if we just accept all rumors are true, which I never do, but let's just do that for a second. It appears that Ange has gone away and and made sure that players have been bought before others have moved on, which is not what we've done in recent years, which is really good to see. One oh, thing that he said after we seen Johnson though was he said he also made the comment, which I believe is a a Brendan Rodgersism, uh, was that it's. Keeping hold of players is just as good as signing players, uh, which I've not heard him say that before. And you're right, he did prep us before, Shane, by saying we should, you know, turn over, moving players on, etc. And then that was kind of against that previous party line. So I was a bit mm. confused. That's contradictory now. I'm getting a bit <laughs> uh, confused about what's going on. Keeping us on our those, toes. That's always doing. Yeah. Both those players, so Jakimakis and. Uh, Juranovic, both of them, as you said, 27 years old. They both got five-year deals. They're going to be 31, 32 when they come out of their contracts. You can understand why they wouldn't get an extension for more money. If you're not like Jack and Mac is saying, if you're not even starting for the club every single game, why would we give you more money that then we're going to have to be paying you that same amount of money at 32 years old? Makes no sense. So I can understand that. And as Shane said, and salary cap, Leagues over here, he's used to the constant turnover, so he's constantly always forward planning, as we're seeing. We'll um, bring up some comments, but last thing I want to do before we bring up the comments. Ange said earlier, I don't know exactly when it was, that Cal McGregor is officially fit to play again and he will return in the game against Aberdeen. Yes. Rats. Good to have him back, which means O'Reilly has done a good good job in the number six role, but I want him back in that 10 role because he's, it just suits him so much better in our system. So that's, that's such a good sign for our squad balance. And what's the worst that come out of it? O'Reilly develops a few extra strings to his bow. Yeah, I think so. Yep. We've definitely, right. like, it's, it's not to say that um, none of us are, obviously we're all buzzing that he's come back, but I think we've managed without him very, very well. We, re- we really have with, Moya, Riley, and Hatate. They've all done a lot better than I thought we would. Yep, I agree. Hasn't been so detrimental. It's good to see. All right, let's get a few comments up here. So, Andrew Galea, back at the start of the pod, when we said 
We're talking about the Socceroos. He's on, I followed Aussie football since the 70s. His newfound supporters snuck up on me. Good to see. So as John touched on, football was probably the most um, like highest participation rates in terms of an outdoor sport. The two yep. highest participation rates in Australia for sports levels are basketball and soccer slash football. So you think of that and you go, there's a lot of people who know the sport and like the game. Now, we're talking about funding as well earlier. I've found the stats for you. So football is the seventh highest funded sport in Australia in the 2021-2022 annual report that came out from the Australian Sports Commission. I don't know if you guys have seen this. What sports do you think are higher on the list? Yeah, I know, so I'm not going to say. I'm going to say NRL. I'm going to say AFL. Sorry, just uh, just to be clear, that's rugby for anyone that... Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rugby league. A rugby league. Australian rules football are going to be up there. Rugby union's going to be up there. I'm going to say netball. I'm going to say athletic. one more, John. Athletics or swimming or something. Okay. So until you just then, when you said athletics and swimming, you hadn't got a single one on the list. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Football in seventh gets 7.9 million a year. Basketball, 8 million. Swimming, I'm going to round things up here. Nine point, I'll go 9.5, so nine and a half million. Sailing, 9.6 million. (laughs) Hockey, 9.85 million. Athletics, 10.75 10.75 million. Yeah, wow. And the one I never would have guessed, cycling, 14.5 million. <laughs> wow. I could have sworn you were going to say lawn bowls in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. winks. It's all about tiddlywinks and marbles. But now the way I'm looking at it is football needs a bit, a lot more funding put into it. We need stadiums built. We need a strong second tier. But if you've got that many people playing locally and you've got a chance to get – it's about, as you said, Shane, on Twitter, it's about getting those people who have been going to those live sites who don't have a team. It's about getting bums on seats and getting those people into supporting the A-League. And well, that'll go uh, further down. And I'll touch on it really quickly just on that. Most times we have a World Cup – this is purely focused on Australian football. Um, most times we have a World Cup – Obviously, it's during a time where there's usually a couple of months gap between the end of the last A-League season, which usually finishes around May, and then the start of the next A-League season, which is anywhere between September, October, November. And so there's always a little bit of a gap. So that buzz uh, that you get from the soccer as being in the World Cup and you want it to translate, you've got that kind of month where it plateaus a little bit before you actually have the national competition run around again or come around again, I should say. So this time, not only have we seen the Socceroos do really well and this wave of momentum strike, the A-League season starts again in two days' time. So it restarts this Friday. So it, the the term is strike while the iron's hot. This is the, the perfect opportunity to harness that momentum and say, well, guess what? You know, a, a number of these players, Leckie, Goodwin and so forth, who, who contributed so well at this World Cup, they're literally going to be playing you know, this weekend, right? So get out and see them. It's a perfect opportunity. And all we really have to do, all the league has to do is just try and maximise it as best as they can. It's the best opportunity for a long time that they've had 
to to be able to do this. So I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. A funny one for you, Shane, is 20 of the Australian 26-man squad have played in the A-League in the last four years. Yep. It could also be... It could also be because the football season's going on that we're getting a bit more uh, traction. Because, uh, again, I think it's uniquely Australian. Uh, well, not uniquely Australian, because USA kind of do similar things, is we have this kind of six months of football and then it's six months of something else. So if you've normally got your World Cup in June, July, that's uh, Aussie Rose season. So people mm. tend to split their, their time between the two sports. Like you'll have guys that are cricket and uh, football, or you'll have guys you know that do that kind of switch around. Uh, so actually having this at the same time as the A-League may actually have prevented that, like the Aussie Rules fans are doing the, the actual football instead this time. Yep. Yeah, they've thread the needle perfectly there where it's happened between the footy and the cricket season. So, yeah, it has yeah. worked. I hadn't even thought of that, Sean. Mm-hmm. All right, some more comments. I said earlier on, because of the name of the pod, what are you having for dinner? RL77. <laughs> I'm having salmon, pan-fried in garlic and rosemary, broccoli, cauliflower, blah, 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 and a six-foot lightning fast striker. Yes, that's Cho. Get him in. (laughs) (laughs) Vinny, have we ever signed three players prior to the January transfer window? Very proactive bit of business. It's great to see, isn't it? I don't think so, to be honest with you. Other than last year, we signed the three guys from Japan, and that was announced, what, two, three days before the window opened? Couple of other comments here. Strange love the doctor. If I was, I think if I was looking from the outside at Celtic for possible targets, CCV, Jack and Macus, and Juranovic would be on my watch list. Please don't mention Carter Vickers. Like, don't don't do it. No. <laughs> the the only benefit was though he only I think he only started one game. I think he only played against Iran. I'm not even sure if he came on against the Netherlands in the round of 16. So he didn't really get that kind of exposure. Um, that um, that I think a few of us thought he would. I was a, I was a look. I don't know the US team that well, but I was a bit surprised he didn't start more games. Apparently, Tim Ream is playing really well for Fulham, so that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, their other centre backs aren't that great. But we'll see how that plays out over the next next cycle for him, especially with them hosting the next World Cup with Mexico, mm. Canada, and US hosting it. It's going to be a lot of pressure on that US team to do well at home. So. It'll be interesting. Well, is yeah. it, the, the, the next World Cup is in a weird format with the groups of three instead of the groups of four. So you're not going to get these last day excitement that we had last week. You know, it's going to be a bit of a damp squib, I think, the groups. Is, it, is this the one where we move to 48 teams? Yeah, but groups of three. So it's going to be like mm. three, lots 16, of 16. 16 groups of three or whatever the numbers are. Yeah, 16, lots of three, yeah. That's just group winners straight through. That's it, isn't it? Uh, no, but... No, I don't think so. they're adding an extra knock around. And that sure. to your final 16, doesn't it? That's what I was thinking. You've got to win your group oh. to get get through. Let me mute and quickly check it up. I'm going to bring up a couple more comments while you do that. So, Andrew Galea, Australian football needs Labor governments. Let's not bring politics up into this podcast. <laughs> Craigie White, season's <laughs> greetings to all your Tims down under. Right back at you, mate. Hope you have a good Christmas and everything. Andrew's brought up Abbotsford Stout for dinner. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. 
So you got um, anything for us? Well, Wikipedia doesn't have answers, so I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Next week. There we go. It's a comment it's, about that anyway. FIFA having yeah. second thought, thoughts about the groups of three due to pro- problems with match fixing potential. Yeah, it makes sense. If two teams just need a draw or whatever, they'll just do it. So, yeah. Well, well I think that I think the one country that wants the, the forty-eight teams uh, situation to go ahead is New Zealand because oh, it means sorry. that Shahania gets an automatic spot. I've got it. Here. The knockout, the knockout, knockout would be thirty-two teams. So you'd, you'd have two group games and an extra knockout round. So you'd have one fewer group game and one extra knockout round. Yeah, right. I don't know right, why, they, I, why do they why do they change something that's not broken? I don't get it. To, to get more, more teams in, which means more TV money. More yeah, that's what it is. It's, so it's TV rights to, to 48 countries instead of 32 or whatever. We'll, we'll have to get into this deep, but it's, it's the same stuff I hear that FIFA are trying to do or UEFA is trying to do with the 60-minute games. I just, just leave it alone. Don't touch it. 60 minutes. It's bullshit. All right. So what we'll do is we'll leave that there and um, we'll crack on to our last topic, which could get a little bit messy and feral in the comments section. So, you know, play nice, everyone. But before we do that, it's going to bring this up. Soaked Down Under merchandise is now available at www.soakdownunder.square.site. So on there we've got T-shirts and hoodies available. If you want to buy our flags, Please um, send an email to admin at celticdownunder.com. We've had, um, I just want to send a shout out to John Horton and Sean Gordon. Thanks for your orders on the flags. They've been sent out yesterday. So appreciate your support. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, guys. Yep. Now we will uh, get into the main topic. Peter Lawwell returns to Celtic, begins as chairman on the 1st of January, replacing Ian Bankier. I thought you'd play like the Imperial March or something. Then his name. <laughs> no, don't don't really want to do that. Um, because copyright reasons. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's I, heard one those can- ones. I heard the Kanye West is in favour of the move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's very topical. He, he, th- he thinks Peter Lowell's done some really great things. <laughs> he loves Peter Lowell. With the Peter Lowell appointment, um, there's multiple ways you can view it. So, yes, he has a lot of history with the club, a lot of, I'm going to say it, a lot of success, a shit 10 in a row season. And then he went out with a lot of, and because of all the behind the scenes meddling when he was supposed to just be the CEO, not the direct self-imposed director of football, he's gone out with a lot of people not liking him and there's been, been about a, a lot of backlash with him coming back at this time as chairman. Now, in all my years supporting Celtic, I can never remember ever hearing anything from the chairman. Never heard from Ian Bankier. Never heard from the guys before him. So if the role is still going to be exactly the same as it is where his role is to be out in the boardrooms, meeting the SFA, meeting the SPFL, going on the UEFA panel because he's part of the European Club Association or whatever, doing that sort of stuff and representing Celtic, especially with the new launching of like the expanded Champions League and all that sort of stuff and making sure Scotland and Celtic are looked after in the best way, then 
I'm okay with it. If he starts meddling and pissing Ange off, then this is gonna get it's gonna get bloody. That's the easiest way to explain it. It's gonna get messy because the way they put the, the fence up around the stadium in the ten in a row year and all that sort of crap, I don't want to hear from it. I don't want to go back to those days. All the positivity since then has just been great. So that's my take on it. We'll see how this plays out. John, I'll throw it to you. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, look, initially when it got announced, I was very angry and pretty upset. I think what it did was it just burst that sort of good vibes, high energy balloon. We were, do- we, were we had this such momentum with what Andrew's been doing uh, after supposedly Lowell had left. Um, and it's just it's just completely derailed me, I think, but I think a lot of Celtic fans as well. But on sort of, you know, had a couple of days, you know, reflecting on it. I think a couple of things. I think he probably he hasn't really left, and they never really did, right? So he was always kind of around. I can't remember what the the exact other role that he's had since then, but it's like some other uh, board role or something like that. Um, so he's he's been involved in Celtic. He's not actually he's only stepped down and sort of left, so to speak, as um, the CEO or whatever, right? I think I think he is still like you were saying, Jared. He's still got a lot of clout. He's still a big name in European football and all of that organisation stuff. However, and as um, it had been mentioned in the comment, I think if. If Peter Lawwell wants to be involved heavily in Celtic, it's only because he wants to make sure that things are run in the way that Peter Lawwell thinks Celtic should be run. That's not the role of a chairman, right? And I absolutely accept the chairman is very much there just to facilitate the board, there to organise stuff and keep agendas going, all that stuff. Totally understand that. Um, But he will be in and around Celtic, you know, giving people a little nudge in in the direction that he thinks is right and blah, blah, blah. How far that goes, I don't know. I said to um, my family when it got announced, that's the end of Ange. I think I think if uh, Pillow starts getting involved and telling Ange what to do, he'll just say, that's me. Thanks very much. I'll move on. I'm not having any of that. I mean, it's what Rogers did, right? Rogers had enough. He just he just said, I can't deal with this. It's There's too many, you know, there's, my hands are too tied. So see you later. I'll go somewhere else. And he, and, that, and look at the manner that in which he left. I'm not saying Ange will do that at all, but that's, that's you know, Rogers is a big name and stuff. And that's the way he left. Yes, the end of Lawwell's tenure as CEO was really bitter, really bitter. And it would have just been better for him, I think, just to say, that's me. I'm st- I'm completely stepping away from Celtic. And he just can't do that. It's it's almost like Celtic's his drug. And I, we all get that, right? Um, but I'm still I'm still a bit deflated by the whole thing. But I'm not necessarily as, uh, as upset as I was at the time because I don't think he's ever really left. Um, and I think the, the role as a chairman is very, very limited. So I, I'm I'm disappointed by Celtic's appointment. It's the same old, you know, um, you know, not not the old, the old gentleman's club, if you like, but it's the you know it's the names that you know. You stick to the stick to those names and don't don't try anything else. So yeah, I'm a bit I'm a still a bit deflated by it, but I don't think it's going to be as detrimental as we all think it is, or I thought it was. Just on that though, for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't really think he ever left, as Andrew said. Lawwell was the guy who called him first up to, would you be interested in the role? Lawwell's been a mentor to Michael Nicholson for years. 
So, and who would have taught him the ropes on the CEO role? There you go. So, as much as he's no longer the CEO, as you said, John, he never left the club. No. So, we'll see how it plays out. The thing for me is that his son is like the head of scouting. And you know how Lawwell liked to go and find a player himself and impose it onto a manager, i.e. Marion Shred, Daniel Arzani, those two. That's the dangerous link up there. But if he sticks to the board and the chairman role only, then happy days. Sean, over to you, mate. Yeah, there's been a lot said about this. A lot of good points. I agree with what you guys are saying, that he's probably still been helping out in the background uh, through his son and through Michael Nicholson and through all the other uh, existing uh, members of the executive who he has relationships with. So to be honest, there probably might not be that much difference between him being officially appointed chairman and not. Um He's done a lot of good things. Uh, he's brought us things like the Adidas contracts. He's kept us represented on uh, professional gaming boards, as you said, as you already mentioned. And I'm, I was thinking to myself uh, to add to this conversation in some way, why does everyone hate Peter Lobel? Why does everyone not like him? Uh, and I think uh, two, well, a couple of things. I think the, the whole Lenin affair, really, uh, with one coming out and saying publicly we hired him in the showers which is absolutely tin pot and probably not true but uh if it is true that doesn't seem like a lobo move that seems more like a dermot desmond move uh weird flex is, isn't it yeah so and i think as we mentioned in the comments there about dermot desmond being the real guns for those big decisions yeah uh, i'll bring that one up rl77 like yeah Lowell might be darth vader the dermot desmond is the emperor yeah, and we all we all know that that was what happened with Brendan Rodgers and the 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 Dela, running Dyla semi final thing. And and it, there's no it, it could well be that uh, after winning the cup, then Dermot Desmond's like, yeah, you have to give him the job, and was sent down. Lawwell was sent down as a lackey. Probably what happened. Uh, the other thing as well was sticking with Lennon when we drew with St Johnson, uh, and the fans were kind of attacking the bus. That's the other thing. Again. Dermot Desmond came out in the media at that point, uh, I believe, one of his few media uh, points that he made um, to say that we we stick with managers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so those are the main things. That, the only other thing I could think of is that a lot of fans attach the players we missed out on with Lawwell, uh, mainly the four that I thought of that came to head was Stephen Fletcher, uh, in 2009, where instead of paying for him, we paid for Willow Flood. Uh, Cristino, Cristiano Puccini, the right back, again, one who was actually in Celtic Park. And then, uh, despite no way we could afford his wage demands, ended up going to uh, Valencia instead. And we signed Jeremy Tolian on Moan. John McGinn, famously. Uh, who did we sign instead of John McGinn? Anyone? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I checked it. I checked it. No, Yusuf Malumbu. So instead of John McGinn. Oh, Malumbu. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, another famous one being uh, Ivan Tony, where we end up with Albion a Yeti instead, yeah. despite Ivan Tony being up at Celtic Park. So, so, but to be fair, I find that harsh when you weigh it up against all the other ones like Van Dyke and Dembele and uh, Nakamura, all the other good players we signed. And the biggest things he's done for me off the park would be like the commercial contracts, Nike, Adidas, two great names to have on your jersey. And 
even though it was first a Brian Quinn uh, thing, uh, I think uh, Peter Lowell did have an opportunity to uh, get involved in this EBT scheme and he, and he decided not to, and that was a good thing as well. Uh, that led to the death of one Scottish football team and uh, we fortunately survived that uh, thanks to that decision. So he's done a lot of good, uh, but going forward, he still has, he has to not make himself a de facto director of football, which is yeah. what he did. He got too arrogant, he got big-headed, he started to try and run things that should not be his business. If you can do us a favour and as a chairman, cancel our deal with Parks of Hamilton and get us mm-hmm. our own club buses. That would be a great start to get the fans on side because of who the chairman of Parks of the Buses is. But not just that. It's a big club move to have your own bus. Aberdeen have yeah. got their own bus. <laughs> Look all yeah. through Europe, they've got it. Why are we using the the chairman of Sevco's company's buses? No thanks. Let's get our own. Piss them off. Get our own. But I think he made the point that an AGM, it's small-minded and petty to just cancel it because of blah, blah, blah. But how about you just be big-minded and just have a big club mentality? Yeah. We, need bus- we need to have our own buses, you know? <laughs> Not lower our eyes. Let's look up and keep building. And yeah, there's a couple of comments here. So Andrew has said in the comments, if there's, there's, a, f- there's a few between Ange and the chairman who can fend the man off. Is there? No. I think he just means Michael Nicholson there. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. And then you've got, he's also gone, Andrew's a strong character. The board will continue to back him while he's bringing success. And then strange of the doctor had, if we, if he had a hand in the course correct after the 10 season, and that's pretty cool. But in the back of my mind, resolution 12 and five way. Mm, I forgot about that. Resolution 12, that's the other one. Yeah. I that's the other thing that. That, that upsets a lot of fans about him. But at the end of the day, we'll, um, we'll see how it goes. That's the only way we can be. Like, I don't want to, uh, you know, tip the baby out with the bathwater and, st- you know, throw toys out of a pram and start carrying on like a little brat. Like, it just depends entirely on what what PLO wants out of the chairman role. If he just wants to be involved with Celtic because he, he loves it and it's his team and he just wants to help it in any way he can and he just sticks to the sticks to the absolute defined role of the chairman, it, it, he'll he'll have the same effect as if he didn't, which was slowly will start to forget about the negatives and history will remember him only for the good stuff. If he starts, if we start having really bad stories and there will be rumors because we'll never know for sure, but we start having really bad rumors where he's had some sort of, ah, oh, well, you know, Pillow's had the chat with X, Y, Z and it's caused this. He'll just, none of the good stuff, it will be massively outweighed by the negative and he'll just go down as somebody who was not good overall for the team, for the club. That's another thing Sorry, Sean, but he's at based on what you're saying, John. This is Peter Lawwell's chance to turn the tide, so that down the down the years, twenty years down the road, he's looked back on the same way Fergus McCann is. At the time, Fergus wasn't like loved or liked by our support. We weren't spending the money. The dirty mob across the town were doing their dodgy shit. Mm. But now we look back after what's happened at Ibrox, and where we are now. And Fergus is cherished and should get a statue out the front on the Celtic way. This is Peter Lawwell's moment to turn the tide, do it the right way, stay out of the way, and let his let his reputation repair so that he's he's remembered in the future. But what were you going to say, Sean? I was just going to say another thing that I just thought of is that, uh, based on what you guys have said, is that 
and his legacy is that Lobo coming back is to be another public face is either brave, very brave, or very foolish. Because if Postacoglu leaves in the same way that Brendan Rodgers did, then Scotland will not be a safe place for Peter Lowell and his family yeah. anymore. And I've and I mean, been trying kind of half facetious, half serious there. Like, it, it literally would not. Like, if there was any sniff of Postacoglu being unhappy because of Peter Lowell, that guy would not be safe. Yep. I agree. You might get some, some letters of the Lenny variety. But anyway, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll leave that there. So what I want to do is... Regular listeners will know that we do match day coverage as a partnership with the Celtic State of Mind podcast. Now, every year they do a charity weekender where they go 12 hours live on a Saturday, 12 hours live on a Sunday. So they're doing that next weekend tied in with the Aberdeen game and then the women's game on the Sunday. Um, Celtic Down Under has been asked to come on again for the third straight year to do a one-hour show, so we'll be doing that. I don't know the time we'll release that and tell you all that next week on the podcast, but I just wanted to let you all know that that is going on next weekend. If you can support that at all or tune in, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, Also, while I'm at it, all our socials up the top of the screen here, at Celtic Down on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Celtic Down Under, you can find us there. YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Celtic Down Under. Look for the, the kangaroo logo. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers as soon as possible because at that point it helps us in the algorithm a lot more and get promoted out to more Celtic fans. So if you like what we do and you can give this podcast a like on your podcast app on YouTube, we appreciate it. We're just trying to grow this podcast. Okay, final thoughts. So, Johnny. You can go first. Oh, okay. Well, I've um, I've got two. Um, one's very quick. Uh, the Indonesian government has ruined my trip to Bali. Thank you very much. I'm not happy with that at all. Why else? Why else you go on holiday? And if you don't know what that is, go ahead, look it up. It's depressing. Um, and then, as always, I'm doing my little plug for my music um, listen of the week, which. Um, I, I don't know if the guy's famous or not, right? Truly don't. Joey Badass, just just like trust me here. It's a stupid name, but see if you like uh, very very chill, very sort of almost indie hip hop rap. Amazing, honestly, like Sunday morning vibes. The guy's very interesting as well. So like, um, he's he, I think he was on a TV show called Mr. Robot. I think he had like a that's uh, that. a good show. Yeah, yeah, it was like season two. Apparently, he had like a, a recurring role, so he's like an actor slash music artist. Um, seems to be like early career. He refused to have a label and stuff. One of those. So he's very sort of like grassroots music, super chill. Like I say, Sunday morning vibes. None of your like dead aggressive mumble rap, horrid stuff. It's very, very good. Joey Badass, give him a listen. I very much enjoyed listening to him. Sean, your final thoughts. Yeah, um, if I don't know if anyone's seen the the TV show Dark on Netflix, uh, well, the the same producers and directors and actors have came out and made a new one called Eighteen Ninety Nine, which is no way related, but it's the same style and it's it's very good, the same as Dark. So I would recommend if you haven't seen either of those on Netflix, check out Dark and Eighteen Ninety Nine. Just started listening. Um, I started watching that. It's creepy as hell. 
Yeah, better atmospheric, the same way as, yep. yeah. Shane, you got a final thought? Yep. Uh, I'm just going to circle back to something we've already touched on, uh, but just um, back to Australian football for a moment. It is the return of the A-League uh, this weekend. So uh, to all those who might be watching uh, us or listening in who are in Australia and maybe aren't too into the A-League, um, give it a go. Um, for those who are, might be overseas uh, tuning in and want to pick an A-League club, I encourage you to pick Melbourne Victory and get involved. But um, that's pretty much what I'm going to underline, just just uh, get involved. Let's see if we can uh, grow this league. My final thought is people on buses shouldn't talk as much shit as they do. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Hail, hail, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail.